Welcome to Redwood Cathedral. Awesome to do church outside, eh? Fun. How many of you took less time preparing for church or getting ready to come to church this morning than you normally do? Raise your hand. Yeah. And it shows. Let me tell you. Okay? I'm just, just keeping it real. I know it shows how many do. Um, all right, so I thought it'd be fitting to preach from an iPad out here in the woods. Uh, yeah, paper inside of an air-conditioned building, but today we'll, uh, we'll flip that around. You are going to need your Bibles, so if you don't have it, don't go get it. But if you have it, then be ready to, to use them, and we'll get going. We are actually wrapping up this morning uh, this series that we called Step of Yes. And many of you children drew pictures for us that hang on our wall in our sanctuary back at home. And... They all are talking about different individuals, different characters that God approached and invited in to partner with him. And what we've been learning is this, is that God doesn't need us. God doesn't need people to accomplish his will. He could just speak things and they could happen, but he wants to use us. So he comes and invites us, and this partnership creates this relationship. Our last character that we're going to look at is a little bit different because it's not a person. Rather, it's creation. Okay, And so we're out here in creation looking at that. Now, remember that different people responded different ways. Some people said yes to God right away. Some said no to God right away and ran the other way. Some people were kind of in the middle, weren't they? They're kind of like maybe. They kind of procrastinated. They were a little bit of a mixed bag review with creation. Creation gets invited in to do something, and that is to point to point to God. And creation said yes. Here's what I want you to do right now. Creation is telling the story. And uh, what, I, what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Everyone close your eyes. For a few seconds here, I want you to be totally still. And I want you to use your ears. I want you to use your nose. I want you to use your skin to just feel what it feels. And just kind of soak in and absorb what you hear and smell and feel. If you want to, you can reach down and just kind of touch the dirt a little bit. Eyes closed. Just kind of just kind of observe what's going on around you. Now, without anyone saying a word, just open up your eyes and look straight up. In the same mode of just listening and looking around, just just look and see what you see. I don't know if you touched dirt or a rock or a piece of bark. Maybe you're just looking and smelling and feeling. But everything that you see right now was created out of nothing. God didn't need to take other things that existed. He made this out of absolutely Nothing. All right. You can look back up here, or I won't be the slightest bit offended if you look at my main illustration this morning, which is all around us, okay? The trees and the birds and the creatures and those kinds of things. All of what we see is telling us a story. What I want you to do right now is I want you to think in your mind, if you could put a little book together and think, what if creation, what if, what if all of creation that we just sang was to somehow write a book and put what we see into words, what would the title of that book be? Okay? So you're thinking of a title of what the book would be if creation wrote a story and told us something. Okay? I want you to think about it for a second. I want to hear from a couple of you 
on that. Um, I want to I want to just kind of point out three storylines that creation is talking to us about uh, that we see just from the observed world this morning. Okay, anyone have some some book titles of what what would creation's book be called if we had it? Tegan, what do you got? God's wonderful creation. Love it. Okay, David. Genesis. Genesis. Okay, Sadie. God's beautiful world. Love it. Way in the back, Peyton. God made the world. Love it. That's succinct. It's to the point. That's very good. Um, all right. So here's the first storyline. The first storyline is that creation stirs in us wonder. Okay. We see stuff and we and we marvel at it. We wonder at it. Uh, if you look up, which we just did, you see the skies, right? At night, we see stars and galaxies and moon. In the daylight, we see sunlight. We see clouds. We see sunsets and sunrises. Um, not to mention the fact that there are lightning uh, strikes and shooting stars and all kinds of things in the heavens. You know what it's doing? It's declaring to us. It's proclaiming to us knowledge and wisdom. It's saying someone designed and created all that you see up here. So when you look up, you're stirred to wonder. Okay. Uh, if you look down, everyone look down for a second at the earth. Okay. The earth is massive. Anyone know this? Okay. If you take long flights periodically for business, some of your you know moms and dads might do that. You know that the earth is just massive. It's a huge ball of stuff, and it's teeming with life. It causes wonder in all cultures. Through all of time, people have marveled and wondered at this thing that we're standing on. People study it, sing about it, and even celebrate it with holidays. There was a guy named John Muir, and he hiked all over the woods of California. And in this book called The Yosemite, just listen to what he wrote and hear the, the worship tone to it. He says this, From the margin of these glorious forests, the first general view of the valley is gain. A revelation in landscape affairs that enriches one's life forever. Entering the valley, gazing overwhelmed with the multitude of grand objects about us, perhaps the first to fix no. our attention will be the bridal veil, a beautiful waterfall on our right. Its brow, where its first leaps free from the cliff, is about 900 feet above us. And as it sways and sings in the wind, clad in gauzy, sun-lifted spray, half falling, half floating, it seems infinitely gentle and fine. But the hymns it sings tells the solemn fateful power hidden beneath its soft clothing. Kind of a poetic guy for a dude who spent most of his time out in the woods. But some of you have stood in that exact spot. You recognize Yosemite Valley. And to say that it may have changed your life forever is not an overstatement. It's marvelous. And people are drawn to go to those kinds of places. You think about life being produced. Look at this dirt. The stuff we're standing on right now. Life is produced out of that. The food that we eat is produced out of that. It's a miracle. The water that rises, gathers, rains down, and then keeps on going. Psalm 102:24 says this. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. All right, so we've looked up. We've looked down. For creatures, we're going to look under. Okay? How many, how many of you love to search for bugs? Yeah, a lot of you. I've been noticing that, okay? So you look under, right? You like to lift up rocks and look under trees and find things, and there's all kinds of creepy, crawly things. There's land animals, swimming things, creeping insects, flying birds, and bugs. You know what's amazing? We haven't even discovered them all yet. They're still discovering things. With all the technology we have, 
there's still things that they don't even know exist yet. So many are the variety. When you see the sheer diversity of shape and size and color of different kinds of animals, it just brings a smile to your face. You don't even have to be a huge nature lover to just go, wow, God created all those fish. God created all those birds, all those different insects that we see, and it points to something bigger. All right, we've looked up, we've looked down, we look under. I want you to just to look over. Look over at your neighbor right now. People, right? People are part of God's creation. Uh, look at someone to your left or right and say, you are a miracle. Okay, say it right now. All right. Now, some of you are chuckling. When you look at someone and you see that they're alive and they're walking around and they're breathing and their whole body is just working, they're processing food, they're they're, they're storing up energy. They're doing all these things. It really is a miracle to sit and look at that. Even though we can say that we understand a lot of it because we've, we've broken down and figured stuff out about the body, it's still a miracle. It doesn't mean that we could have come up with it, that we could have designed it. How many of you have gotten injured or cut on this trip? Okay. I know several of you. Yeah. It's kind of the place for that. You know what's cool? Is that although you can slap a band-aid on or put some neosporin on or something else, you know what? God's created systems in us, right, that kind of heal us back up. We're a little bit like the Wolverine. We just kind of heal up. We just take a longer time, right? But we just, our bodies heal up from cuts. That's one of the things that, that God did. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, hold up a baby if you have a baby in your arms. I see a few babies. There's a baby right there. Yours is nerdy. You're fine. You're going to have to hold up. There are nursing. There's the one back there. I love it. All the little, like, pea pods, okay? Um, so so just, just the factors that have to occur at just the right time, at just the right temperature, and just the right sequence for these little babies that turn into all of you, by the way, is a miracle, right? We can look at a, at a baby and say, wow, you're a miracle. And then we look at our brother or sister, like, eh, not so sure about you. You know, we, as we get older, we tend to, like, start to think, eh, maybe not so much. But it still is true, even when we're not as cute. Um, the more we learn about DNA, the more we learn about living cells, the more we learn about babies in the womb, the pictures that they can take and the things that they know now that they didn't know now are all the more fascinating to us. And it shows this. We always, people always underestimate how marvelous life is. We create these theories, but they're really kind of simplistic. And the more we discover, the more we realize, wow, it's far more fascinating than we could have even hoped or imagined. And so it does something else. You know what it does? It just points to say, there's, there's got to be more. There's something bigger going on. There's a story being told. Now, all of this beauty and all of this, one, all of this wonder that goes on stirs in us this kind of longing. Okay? Now, at this point in the story, if this was the only chapter in the book, here's what we'd be tempted to say. Anyone hear the phrase, it's all good? Right? Someone help me out. A team, help me out. When do you use the phrase, it's all good? Lindsay, help me out. Right. Right. So I can trip and spill my coffee all over Kelly, and she's got sizzling burns, so it's really hot coffee, and she goes, no, it's all good, right? That's how she would say that, right? Okay. She may not say that, but she could say that, because she's gracious to me. Um, 
So at this point, we, we might be tempted to say it's all good, thinking thinking that, that it's all good, that all that we see around us, all the creation, it just creates wonder and beauty and stirs in us longing. And those are great things and those are true things. But there's another side to the tale, isn't there? There's more going on. Um, the incredible attention to detail that we see everywhere is one part of it, but then just the cruelty in nature is a whole other part. There's order that we see in creation, but there's also sometimes chaos that we see. Hurricanes that separate families. Earthquakes that destroy cities. Floods that cost millions to rebuild. There's pain and destruction, and this even is part of the storytelling. It's telling more of the story for us. I want to point out two things that all the chaos and cruelty and pain that's in our natural world kind of point to. Turn to Romans 8 if you're in your Bible. Romans 8 uh, helps spell this out for us. It kind of gives us some clarity of what's going on with all of this. Why is there beauty and pain? Why is there order and chaos? All right. I didn't bring my real Bible here, so I'm going to have someone read it. Romans 8, 19 to 22, in a real loud voice. Who's got that for me? You got it, Josh? All right. All right, listen up, kids. God's word is being read. For the creation with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself would be set free from its bondage. To corruption obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. So a few things. Creation, all creation, all that you see and we just smelled and touched and listened to, and then the people that we looked across left and right and said you're a miracle to all of people are part of creation, right, are subject to a curse. They're under a curse. And by definition, it's unwilling. They're subject to it. They're under it. It's forcibly being imposed on all of creation. So that's one thing that we learned from that. Uh, from that passage. The the, uh, the chaos in nature. Let me, let me ask you this. How many of you have gotten poison oak before? Okay. All right. If you've gotten poison oak, then you can identify this a little bit. I want you to do this for me real quick. I want you, if you're willing, this is an optional thing. Okay. Because some of you, I know it's morning. You don't do these kind of things in the morning. But if you want to, take your face like this and scrunch it up like this. Okay. Right. Do that. Kind of hold that pose. I want to see some. Okay. You should look like a puffer fish when you're done. Really blow your cheeks out. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Um, so this is how my daughter Briley and I look when we get poison oak. Okay, we look just like that. And our eyes actually, my eyes actually swell completely shut. And when I do that, I don't marvel at poison oak in the same way that I marvel at Bridal Veil Falls. Okay? I don't go, oh, leaves of three. You're so beautiful. I don't do that, right? All of a sudden, what do I think about nature and creation? I'm a little bit upset with it. It's not all good, right? I all of a sudden am, am, am feeling part of that. Um, some of you have allergies. Anyone have food allergies here? Okay. Food allergies are a pain, right? You have to deal with stuff and think through stuff, and it's just it's just what it is. Uh, but it, but it's just part of it. Um, some of the women in this in this uh, crowd, when they just heard Josh Routen read about the pains of childbirth, they almost shouted a hearty amen, okay? Because they have felt it more recently than other women have. But the pains of childbirth are just another part of that process where it's like, oh, this this part hurts. Um, even if you haven't, thank you. Even if you haven't had a child, even if you don't get poisoned, even if you don't have allergies, 
you've been sick, you've had a cold, you've felt the effects of gravity, probably this trip. All of that is pointing to some things. We're not in control, and we need rescue from the curse. That's part of what creation, even the curse part, is telling the story. That's a whole chapter that we'd rather skip, but it's in there and it's pointing to some things. All right. Uh, so we have the creation itself that kind of stirs in us wonder. We have chaos that creates this longing. Like, can it get better? Can we get over this poison oak? Can we get past this part where all this beauty uh, is with chaos? Can we, can we get beyond that? And that's where I want to talk about this third thing, that mystery awakens awe. Here's the point of Mystery Awakens All, is that when you stop and look at things and try to figure things out, you can't figure them out. You can kind of take a stab at figuring out the process about how a cell works. You can kind of break down its parts and study it and get it under a microscope or get it in a telescope, and you can kind of observe what's there. But you don't really know what's going on. And you know what drives us mad sometimes? We want to figure stuff out. That's putting us by God to discover, to learn, to figure out. Some of you do that with cars, okay? Some of you love to get in with a car and just tinker. I'm great at probably at taking a car apart, but I can't put it back together, right? Uh, even with things that, that people can figure out and create, they're taking created matter and they're, and they're putting it together. And for us to try to get our heads around the fact that God took nothing, created it, and now it sustains is challenging. The more we plainly see, it gives rise to wonder and worship. Job is talking with God, and in Job 37 it says this, Pay attention to this, Job. Stop and consider the wonderful miracles of God. Do you know how God controls the storms and causes the lightning to flash from the clouds? Do you understand how he moves the clouds with wonderful perfection and skill? When you are sweltering in your clothes and the south wind dies down and everything is still, he makes the skies reflect the heat like a bronze mirror. Can you do that? We cannot look at the sun, for it shines brightly in the sky when the wind clears away the clouds. So also golden splendor comes from the mountain of God. He is clothed in dazzling splendor. We cannot imagine the power of the Almighty. But even though he is just and righteous, he does not destroy us. No wonder people everywhere fear him. And then catch this. Here's a little devotional thought for the day. All who are wise show him reverence. Now, I say this a lot, but the Bible, I mean, science and our studies and our theories and our discoveries continue to catch up to the Bible. Okay? The Bible said this 2,000 years ago. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed by God's, was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. You know what that's saying in scientific terms? It's saying that the universe had a starting point. When God commanded it, it came into existence. That's the thought that we started with. Now, here's what's fascinating. For centuries, many scientists wanted the evidence to kind of to fit their, their no-God theory. And they basically created some, uh, some uh, storylines that didn't have a God there. And so a lot of the thought going on in the scientific community for a long period of time was that the universe just always existed. It was always here. You know why? We couldn't figure out how it got here. That's the bottom line. 
What happened is, in the last 50 or more years, all this data comes in, all this information comes in. We keep discovering more and more and more and more and more. And you know what everyone seems to agree on now, Christian or non-Christian, science or commoner, is that the universe had a starting point. Now, if you are not a believer in God who creates, then you call that the Big Bang Theory. You know what the Big Bang Theory in, in essence is? We just kind of don't know. I mean, it all just kind of happened, right? If you are a Christian, if you believe in God, if you take God at his word, then you simply can take a look at what we just read from Hebrews chapter 11 and say that's easy. The Bible tells us exactly what happened. God commanded it, and it came into existence. God spoke it, and it came into being. That's how all that we see is there. And, of course, it fits and flows because God is a God who's creative. Here's what's cool, too. Not only does our world point to a creator, but he's left things. Think about this for a minute. We've had people coming, being born, living life, dying. Well, they had kids at some point, because then there's more people, right? And then they live and have kids and die, and there's more people, and that's gone on for a really long time. Do we think we're pretty smart in today's day and age? Say yes. Yeah. Because why? Because I'm holding an iPad, and I'm connected to things, and I wrote things, and this is a pretty cool device, for instance. We have a pretty cool, you know, tent back here. Right? They used to use trees, and they used to use bark and stuff to cover it up, and Jeff, you know, somehow figured out how to make it look even cooler in here, right? So, so we've advanced, and we're all kind of impressed with ourselves in a lot of different ways. But as we do that, um, think about this. There are still discoveries being made. God, God's ways are higher than our ways. So what he's done is this. There are things that people are discovering right now that are brand new pointers in creation that keep filling the story in for us. Things we thought we knew, we didn't know, so we guessed at. And then more and more information comes in. And there are things right now that, 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 are, that are coming to light that I think in my mind, I think, no way, God preordained, he preplanned us not even to be able to discover that far out into the universe until the year 2013, just to show there are still things pointing to the same basic storyline of what's being shown to us in creation. All right, with all of this beauty, with all of this chaos, with all of the extra mystery that we just can't even figure out yet, those are three storylines that are kind of communicating truth to us. They're pointing out the story to us. Flip over to Romans 1. Even with all of this in front of us, even with this kind of storyline being played out in front of us every single day, you don't have to come out to the woods to marvel at the sky or the earth or the creatures or the people that you see. Sin's curse makes it easy to get off track. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 18. And uh, we'll go down to uh, 25. Someone got that for me that can, can read it? Romans 1, 18 to 25. Can you read that, Olivia? All right, nice loud voice. For God chose his anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people who push the truth away from themselves. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky now all God. Made. They can clearly 
have no excuse whatsoever for, for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. The result that their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. And instead of worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look mere people. Okay, thanks, Olivia. I don't know if you heard all of that. Worth a read out here uh, in creation, especially Romans 1, 18 to 25. But here's the gist of it. We were made to worship God. God's revealed himself in nature. He's saying, look, my intrinsic qualities are here such that people are left without excuse. Creation is this massive neon sign pointing to God. Sin gets us believing lies, which kind of break our GPS. And so we think we're following the right path, but we're not. And so we're really lost. And so people make up crazy ideas about God. Instead of letting God reveal himself who he is, they start dreaming up things. So people in every culture begin to, instead of worship the God who made all things and is the creator and the gift giver, instead what do they do? They begin to worship the gifts themselves. So they say, wow, the sun is a really powerful entity and it rises and it does things that we can't do. Let's worship the sun. Let's paint the sun on things. Let's draw up things with the sun and pray to the sun and seek power from the sun. Gee, the lion is a really powerful beast and we all fear the lion and it's at the top of the food chain and we're not. So let's worship the lion. Let's just bow to it. Let's create things. Birds can fly. We can't. Let's worship that. And so people all through creation have done that. Now, most of you haven't bowed to an idol of, you know, a rat lately, right? I mean, that's just the truth. But in our culture, here's what happens is people sometimes worship bodies of other people. They begin to turn their attention towards other people. All the celebrity stuff that goes on, that's just an indication. We can't turn our worship beacon off. We can't shut it down. We're created to worship something. And so so many people worship their own body. They work out and they're fit and they say it's for their health, but really it's just like this this feeding of themselves. Maybe they don't work out. They do the opposite thing. They worship their body by just giving all the pleasure it can. Potato chips, more potato chips, chocolate chip cookies, you know, and for lunch I'll have potato chips, right? That's just saying, man, I just want to do what feels good to me. That's a sense of worshiping the created thing rather than the creator. We're going to look in just a second. We're almost done here, guys. Hang with me. We're going to look in just a second of a biblical example of this exact thing happening of what Olivia just read from, from Romans chapter 1. Okay? We're, going to, we're going to see people just flip on a dime with that. Um, here's how I want to kind of wrap things up. We get to – it's one thing to kind of talk about you know, uh, Jonah who gets to go partner with God and do things. But it's another thing to say, well, how does that fit into me? How, how is God inviting me into this story? So it's one thing to look at creation. You go, well, I could act like a tree for a while, but that gets boring at some point, right? And then I want to do something different. We get to join in creation song. So creation is singing all around us all the time, day or night, sunny or stormy. Creation is just proclaiming and singing songs of worship, and we get to join in with that. We get to partner in with that. Here's what's cool. The created world can give glory to God. You know what it can't do? It can't proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. How many of you have played charades? 
Okay, how many of you like charades? Okay, less hands stayed up than initially went up. Okay, here's why. It's frustrating, right? I mean, it's really frustrating to be sitting there and go, all I'm trying to do is act out this silly little thing. It's a really easy word. It's right here. It's two syllables. You know this word, but you can't get it. Why? Because you can't say anything. All you can do is mime and mimic and do things and whatnot, and it gets frustrating. To some degree, here's what it is. Creation gets to tell this general picture of God. It lifts our eyes in wonder. It causes us to think, wow, this whole curse thing and all of that. It also leaves us, leaves us feeling small because we go, wow, there's an, there's an awesome power here. But what it can't do is point the way and say, the way home is up this road, hang a left, go half a mile, turn right, go on a really windy road, get to a freeway, get on it, and then, and then head home. It can't do that. It's a giant neon pointing sign, but God has created people with a brain and with tongues and with teeth and mouth and air in their lungs to be able to form words and communicate ideas and to be able to talk. And that's where we come in. We get to complete creation song, in essence, by giving lyrics to it. So the music's being played. We get to come along and speak the truth and join in with what creation is doing. Here's how this happens. There's, there's got to be more ways, but I'm just going to leave you with a couple quick thoughts. One is with our bodies. God created bodies, and they were designed to show off God's goodness. Did you know that? It's true. Here's one of the ways you can honor God and point to God with your body is just by being glad of the body that he gave you. That's hard for some of us here. We go, really? God created my body to show off his goodness? The answer is yes. God doesn't make junk. God knows what he's doing when he creates you. So however you're made, stop looking at the person next to you. Stop comparing with your person down the street. Stop worrying about what you're not. And just go, God, I don't know why you made me like this. But it's for your glory. I'm going to point it back to you. The other thing is what we do with our bodies, right? We can take our bodies as a part of creation, recognizing that we're subject to the curse, recognize that we're longing to be free from that one day. But even in our sickness, we can give glory to God. Even in our righteous living, we can give glory to God. By the things we say yes to, by the things we refrain from, we give glory to God with that. So first way is with our bodies. Here's the second way, is just by noticing creation. Maybe for a lot of you, when we just sat and stopped for a couple of minutes at the very start of this and just looked around and listened, it's the first time you've done that in a little while. Isn't it true that you can be out here even for a weekend and kind of miss, I mean, you kind of get a general sense, but you don't really slow down to stop and even pay attention and think and just, and just observe all that God's doing? I hope some of our young people, I hope you go on to study what we see and what this world's going on with a Christian worldview. That would be an incredible thing. Hunt for the clues that God has hidden in our world. That's, that's your challenge with noticing. Here's the last one is to join in. Creation can open a lot of spiritual conversations with other people. Do you know that? When you're out with people and, and people are just marveling at things or they're marveling at a little baby cooing or a bird and the way that it flies and catches things or you see something really cool out in nature, you know what that is? That's creation kind of, kind of giving you an assist. It opens the door for a spiritual conversation. Now, you don't need to step through and go, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and just start rattling off a quick Christian track, right? You don't need to do that. 
But if your Christian worldview, literally everything you see in the world is filtered through this storyline of what God is up to, then when someone comments on an incredible sunrise, they are in a point right now of just thinking, wow, this is beyond me. This is spectacular. And rather than rushing in, we don't need to rush in and clobber them with our giant Bible, right, and go push like that. Instead, we could just we could just walk through the door that, that might invite us into and say, "Wow, God sure knew what He was doing tonight when He's when He's created this, huh?" When we see a baby bounce, right? Because babies bounce instead of shatter, right? That's a really really good thing. And they pop right up, and someone says, "Wow, that's amazing! The babies can do that." You can just think, "Wow, you know, God God sure planned ahead with that." You know, He knew that babies needed to be able to do that because they were going to be stumbling and falling all over the place. There's little ways to just open up for that and then to, to proclaim further. Here's what, I would, here's what I invite you to do. Give credit where credit is due. When creation opens the door for you and someone is saying, wow, isn't it cool how the light comes through these trees right now? You know what a fearful heart says that cares about man's opinion more than God? We would say, yeah, that's cool. And inwardly we might say, God, you're a, you're a great God. You're a creative God. Courageous heart that wants to be an agent, that wants to partner with creation song, that wants to put lyrics to the music already being sung, is to just is to just point that and give credit where credit is due. That's all I want you to remember. I want you just to think with spiritual conversation. Just start giving credit where credit is due. You know this didn't just appear. You know your body doesn't just somehow it evolved to where now it can heal itself from a cut. You know there's design here. Just give credit where credit is due. You know what that will do? That will lead to further proclamation. It will lead to being able to tell more of the story. Here's, here's, here's where I want to end with. Acts 14. If you want to turn there, you can. But in Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas. Paul's a courageous heart for God. He's joining with God in all kinds of crazy ways to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Here's what's happening. He's preaching about Jesus, and God decides, you know what, this message, I don't know if Paul's message was a little boring, and so he needed a little boost, but God decided to kind of like give a little sign that what Paul and Barnabas were preaching was from God. And so what happened was a guy gets healed on the spot. Now, I know my messages kind of get slow sometimes, so I pray sometimes, God, if we ever need just lightning to go through the roof and, like, explode something right in front of me, I'm all for that. I'd be really cool with that. Give me a quick heads up so I could just step back a little, you know. Um, but here's Paul and Barnabas preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, and a guy gets healed right in front of them. And it gives credence to the message. It says, this really is true. Now listen to what happens. Listen to the response. Remember what Olivia read? That, that all this creation has been given so people are without excuse. But what happens is they trade ideas for what God are like and start making up their own crazy stories. Listen to this. They all of a sudden, the people who were in the crowd, instead of saying, we want to turn our lives to Jesus and, have, and follow the same God you worship. Instead, you know what they did? They worshipped Paul and Barnabas. They fell down and started trying to worship them. Here's his response, Paul's. He says, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. Now listen for giving credit where credit is due. Listen for joining in creation songs. Stuff they already know. They already know from creation that there's a God. Here's what he says. We have come to bring the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. 
For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. The curse of sin says we want to worship something right here in front of us. Be it an idol, and then, oh, these guys come and do something pretty cool. We'll worship them. And Paul and Barnabas are saying, no, no, no. They're, they're just joining in. They're just saying, here's what that's doing. Let me point that to the actual way of truth. And they, and they preached Jesus to them. When you and I, and you and I will be given opportunities to step through the creation door and just begin to give credit where credit is due. And then when you're through that and, and a hungry heart, a ready heart is there and says, wow, you seem to bring God into stuff even when we're out on a hike. Why is that? You know what that is? That's an invitation to just speak the truth. So as you begin to give credit where credit is due, every one of you will be given opportunities to go further and point the way to Jesus. That God loves us, that God sent his son, that he died for us in payment for our sin so that we could go free. The hope for getting out from under the curse has already been given. His name is Jesus. And that's why I have a goofy smile on my face. That's why I bring God up while I'm hiking. And that's what we can do. We can just begin to share that. All right. Here's, here's what's going to happen. We have, some of us, another day and a half together. I would invite you to do something. I would invite you as Christians, many of you in this half circle are Christians, to practice in the next day and a half what we just talked about with creation. So that when someone brings it up, even if it feels a little bit forced and kind of stumbling at first, just just try to give credit where credit is due. Practice on one another. If the other one catches what you're doing and says, ah, you're practicing. Good on you. That's good. Good job. And you can help each other out with that. Some of you are already in the habit of that. But as we're hiking, as we're enjoying creek walks, as we're enjoying sleep, whatever, just, just try that a little bit. Okay? Practice some of that. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this place that we get to be at. Uh, thank you for all these people, God, that I get to look at and I get to marvel at. Uh, and then, Lord, just all this incredible nature that we get to enjoy and see and, um, and listen to. I pray, God, that you would teach us what it means to join in with creation in pointing the way clearly to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>